0: Lord, may we be conscious of your presence with us, and may we be here together, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Super Bowl Sunday. Woo. So we just said a prayer at the beginning of our worship today. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. You know, as I look at myself, and this sermon, oh, by the way, is one of those sermons, well, all sermons I preach to myself, but this one I'm preaching to myself especially. But you know, our hearts carry a lot in them. And we, on the outside, everything looks pretty good, but you don't know, you may have been arguing with your spouse all the way over here, you know, rushing in, trying to find a place to park or whatever, and your heart might be a little troubled. In all seriousness, though, we carry a lot in our hearts, and then our hearts can then react in a way that maybe doesn't lead to life or wholeness or to, to the things we want. So we pray, we come in, Lord. We're here, you know, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and wordily magnify your holy name. So what's in your heart this morning? What do you carry with you? I came across this, um, I'm sure many of you have heard it before. It says, be careful of your thoughts. For your thoughts become your words. Be careful of your words, for your words become your actions. Be careful of your actions, because your actions become your habits. And be careful of your habits, for your habits become your character. And be careful of your character, for your character becomes your destiny. Now, these words from the past have been attributed to numerous people, but regardless of where they originated, The fact is, there's a lot of wisdom in these words, isn't there? I mean, what we think often comes out of our mouth and into someone else's ears, into someone else's life. What we speak, the words that we use, impact not only how we feel about ourselves, but they can also impact how others feel about themselves. And then our words can often lead to action, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. And our actions ultimately form our habits, those things that we do probably unconsciously over and over, and then it just begins to shape our character. So be careful of your thoughts. Lord, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you And worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. There's a lot in there, isn't there? See, and I think what I just read here captures the heart of our lectionary readings today. Um, Deuteronomy, Moses is speaking. He says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Now, he's speaking to the Israelites. These are the people who had been freed from bondage and enslavement of the Egyptians. And they've been taken through the wilderness. And they're perched at the edge of the promised land that God had promised them. And listening to Moses. And so Moses has delivered the law, the Torah, the five books, the first five books of Scripture, the Ten Commandments. You all remember those? I asked you last week, Charlton Heston, you all remember that movie? Anyhow, it was based on this. Anyhow, it's, it's God's um, um, gift to his people. It's not a punitive list of thou shall not, but it's a gift. It's a guide. It's a positive portrait of what healthy life in relationship with God and neighbor looks like. It's a vision of abundant, dignified, fully human life in community, and he's laid it all out for them, and he's assured them, guess what? You can do this. You can live into this reality. Now, the choice I leave with you today is whether or not you're going to do it. Are you going to choose life, or are you going to choose death? And this is where Jesus meets us in the Sermon on the Mount again this morning. This is the third week that we've been preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, you all remember, told the people, hey, you're blessed. God is on your side. You're blessed when you come to the end of yourself. You're blessed when, you, when you're meek and you're not trying to force your way in the world. You're blessed, right? You have God's favor. And so he tells them what life is the blessed life looks like in God's worldview or God's kingdom, right? And then he reveals to them, hey, you are the salt of the earth, man. You are, you are absolutely priceless in this world. You are the light of the world. Go be that in this world. And then today he turns his attention to the law that had been governing their lives for generations, Jesus says, you've heard that it was said, in ancient times you shall not murder. But I say to you that if you're even angry with your brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. And if you insult your brother, if you say you fool, you will be liable to the hell of fire. I like that one. Thank you. i got to remind Katrina, if she's ever mad at me, I'm like, whoa, girl, you're dating. No. (laughs) you got to be nice to me, sweetheart. You've heard that it said you shall not commit adultery. But I say that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery. It was also said to whoever divorces his wife let him give her certificate of divorce. This was the Mosaic law. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you've made to the Lord. But I say, just be honest. Just be real. Be truthful. You don't have to swear by heaven or earth or any of that. Just be real. Now, when you read these, it's me. I call them a little pew squirmers, right? These are the ones that make you squirm in your pew a little bit, aren't they? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) So what's Jesus doing here? I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, if you all thought Leviticus was hardcore, if you thought Leviticus was intense, look at me. I don't think he's doing that nor do I think he's explaining the importance of rules and the consequences for not following them. don't think he's doing that either. Then what is he doing? I think Jesus is going for something much deeper than knowing religious laws and trying to get them right. Jesus is not changing the law, but I do think that Jesus is looking at the interior heart of the law. He's internalizing the law. He's revealing the inner spirit and the substance of the commandments, showing them how to fulfill, if you will, the law, embodying its essential meaning. Jesus, it seems, makes our hearts, our inner lives, our inmost beings his priority. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. Just like when we go to the doctor. Now, oftentimes the doctor cannot tell if we have something wrong just by looking at us. I hurt my thumb in jujitsu like six months ago. It still hurts. Now, if I go to the doctor and show him my hands, he's going to say, well, you look pretty good. Like, there's nothing, like, but there's something not right, I'm telling you. It's going to require an x-ray or an MRI in order to determine what's really going on in there, see? Because on the outside, I, yeah, maybe look fine. But there's something wrong on the inside. And to see what's on the inside, the doctor needs to do an x-ray or an MRI to get a picture, right? Now imagine for a moment if we paused in our lives just to x-ray, x-ray our thoughts, our words, and our deeds just to notice what's going on on the inside. And I think Jesus is suggesting this, that this is the beginning point, that life is lived from the inside. Jesus is interested in the disposition of our hearts. And and it really, truly is a matter of life and death. The quality of our life and relationships arises from and is determined by what is going on within us more so than what's going on around us. So while I may appear to be healthy and whole on the outside, deep down within, there might be some things that are just not quite right with my heart and my soul, right? Jesus um, is saying that our inner states are the source of not only life and the great things, but also the source of most of our problems in the world. I mean, some of you are familiar with the psychologists in these terms, um, the shadow. Y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about, the shadow? The shadow is not the bad self, by the way. But the shadows are those untamed emotions and behaviors that lie largely unconscious within us beneath the surface of our lives that constitute things that are hidden versions of who we are. And so we bury things inside us because culture says that it's not good or our family disapproves or our church disapproves or whatever. And so these hopes, dreams, and the discounted parts of ourselves get buried inside us. This is why when in recovery, in the 12 steps of AA or NA or any of them, one of the primary steps in the journey to wholeness and the journey of recovery is to do a searching and fearless moral inventory, to look beneath the surface of our lives, to see what's really going on in there, because it's essential that we understand what's happening in inside us. Uh, it's essential to um, not to discount those things or try to get rid of them or whatever, but to befriend them. Um, And once we can befriend and listen to deeply what's going on inside us, we may discover that it's actually not Father Greg's fault that I'm unhappy today. (laughs) You know? Or maybe it's not my wife's fault that I'm unhappy today. Or the Episcopal Church's fault or whomever. Right? We may discover that there's some things in there that God wants to heal, that God wants to love into wholeness, right? Because if we don't integrate it, if we don't befriend it, we will project it. It will happen. It will leak on the others. And sometimes we leak poison. And we don't do it in the church. It never happens in the church. But outside of the church, we do that sometimes, right? And if you don't believe me, Look at World War II and Nazi Germany. That's nothing but a projection of someone's interior state. And it happened in a Christian nation. Germany was a Christian nation. I don't think that they had done a deep, loving look at what's going on inside. Do you? Carl Jung says, that which we do not bring to consciousness appears in our lives as fate. We have 41,000, y'all ready? 41,000 denominations worldwide. You want to know why? Because we refuse to believe Jesus and take him at heart that it's absolutely possible for us to love, but it is absolutely impossible for us to remain in community when we're tearing each other apart and projecting all our inner states onto other people. Hence, 41,000 denominations, right? I mean, folks, I have been with people who can eat beanie weenies, at a all, Curcio Altrea, and yet, for some reason, these great Christians, they will know us Christians by our love, they can't kneel at an altar and share in the body and blood of Christ and be one with their brothers and sisters. That's not God. That is not God. That's humanity. That's an unconscious projection. And it's not healthy, and it doesn't bring life. It brings death. Once at a former parish, not here, a woman approached me after worship. And I was at the front door, and she came up to me immediately and said, You know, you're going to be hearing from me this week. I'm not happy with some decisions you've made. She did. And I looked at her, you know what I said? You assume I care what you think. And I don't. So shut up and go home. now. But in all seriousness, I didn't say that, by the way. Um, And because I'm so pure at heart, I didn't even think it. I didn't even think it. But really so much for going to the world to love and serve the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. First thing, at the front door, right? So here's what I told her. Here's what I told her. I said, you know what? I had just let someone go. It was was a staff member. And um, yeah, you don't want to love one another. We're not going to tear each other apart here. We're just not going to do it. It's not okay. But I said, you know what? I'll welcome a conversation. But here's what you need to do, and you need to make sure you do this. I said, before you come to see me, I need you to sift your thoughts and your feelings and everything that you want to say. I need you to sift that through the heart of Jesus before coming to see me. In other words, you need to take a deep, long, loving look within and bring that to God before you bring it to me. Because if you don't, you're going to project your poison on me. And guess what? I don't want people poisoning me. See, Jesus insists that life is threatened when anger and judgment and insult and hostility and destructive behavior reign. If you walk around, he's basically saying, with a heart full of hateful anger, you're no different than the guy that has the gun and wants to shoot someone. That's hard, isn't it? I told you these are pew squirmers, right? Because Jesus and God are about life, about life, and life more abundantly. God didn't bring us out of, um, the people out of bondage to make them miserable and give them a bunch of rules, because God's got a big ego, and if you mess up, you don't want to make God mad. That's not what this is the law and the commandments weren't about God. They were about people and how they can have life together with God and one another. That's what it's all about. And so he's wanting people to choose life. Choose life, man. I love you. All right, Jesus gives his life. Why? Out of love. Quit. Quit tearing each other apart. Stop it. Because life is threatened when we're insulting and hostile and all of that. Life is threatened when you objectify a woman, when you just look at her as a piece of some object. You can't do that. Life is threatened when you don't follow through on your promises. Life is threatened when you try to kick your wife to the curb and forget that you ever knew her. Life is threatened when we hate and we speak cruelly and we lie to and we lust after. When we objectify others, we deny the presence of God in them. And we're choosing death. That's what Jesus is getting at. He's getting at the heart because Jesus ultimately wants people to have life. And he's claiming that all of that comes from within our hearts and souls. And so we choose either death energy or we choose life force. Which is it going to be? Jesus is essentially saying, don't turn your heart against your neighbor. It really isn't Canada's fault. It's not the liberals' fault. It's not the conservatives' fault. It's not the blacks or the gays or the the Italians or the Koreans. It's not them. It's not. It's me. It's me. And it's in here. And Jesus says choose life incline your heart toward friendship and respect you can follow the religious laws you can get your PhD in theology you can speak and read biblical Hebrew but if you're not loving you're dead people matter people matter don't let callous disregard turn your heart against your spouse. Don't incline your heart to hate and hostility, but toward kindness and responsibility. And I'm almost done here. Jesus is not demanding rigid perfectionism. That's not what he's doing. And if we hear that, I think we're not hearing the heart of what he's saying. He's not trying to make things harder or to trap us, or condemn us, or to judge us. That isn't the heart and spirit of the law. He's doing it to set us free. He's doing it to set us free, to release us so that we can live, to make us whole, to put our lives and our relationships back together. And so he invites his listeners to pay attention to what, matters. What's important? Listen to your heart. Pay attention. You matter. People matter. So choose life. What's going on inside of you matters. He didn't say, hey, deny your anger, deny your hurt, deny your... He did not say that. All of those things are a part of the way we're made. He didn't say it's okay to be abused and take abuse and you just got to be nice forgive him. That's not what he's saying. But he is saying what's going on inside us does impact how we live in this world. And it's not just simply following a religious law to appease an egotistical God. That's not what this is. This is all about life. And he's inviting us to choose life, reconcile with each other, honor each other, speak truthfully to each other, Protect each other, choose life. See, because ultimately, loving well, love, is the defining characteristic of being what we call Christians. And in fact, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, intends for us to be the best lovers of people on the face of the earth. Every time we love, every time we act with compassion, we're choosing life, participating in life with God. We are making God present in the here and the now through our own life in humanity. And when we do that, The kingdom of God literally manifest right here on Earth as in heaven. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts, O oh God, that we may perfectly love you and all that you love. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you like today's message, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to tell your friends. You may also check us out on YouTube at youtube.com backslash St. Michael's Orlando. Until next time, remember, God loves you with a love you did not earn. And therefore, you can never lose.